Back, back the microphone away. Oh, baby. What a jam. What a jam. Have you guys ever heard the, uh, like the Mickey Mouse, the Disney version of that song? We had a really good moment, and then you ruined it. The Mickey Mouse version? You've never heard that? They do like a little bit of like mini, like, and they do like the Disney characters. You've just outed yourself as a full blown Disney adult, my friend. You are, he is a Disney adult, and so is my, like, there is a side of my family that is embarrassingly Disney. Bro. First of all, I'm not a Disney adult. Yes, you are. I love Di- I love Disney, but I'm not a Disney adult. Those are two different things. And first of all, Disney's freaking awesome. Okay. You are a Disney adult. You're a Disney adult. How many times do you go to Disney a year? I don't go every year. My wife goes every year. I don't. So you are a Disney adult by proxy. <clears throat> that's what I... That's My what I cousin... My cousin and her husband go multiple times a year. Well, she goes multiple times a year. See, I couldn't go multiple times a oh, year. Oh, Tiffany. Tiffany yeah. goes multiple times a year. Yeah, I know. But, like, I couldn't go multiple times a year. I could go once a year, though. But Disney's so much fun. Like, I like don't hate on people for loving Disney yes, no, as adults. No, Disney, Disney is fun. I will give you I will give you that. My family and I used to go like every year when we were young when like we were kids. And like I would go back as an adult, but for the sake of this conversation, we're listening to the beautiful masterpiece that is Mambo number five. And immediately you go, Have you guys heard the Mickey Mouse version? Dead giveaway. Red flag. Oh buddy. Hey, uh lightning round. Favorite Disney movie since we're on the topic. Miracle. Lion, what? No, animated. Oh, Lion King. Ooh, that's hard. That's really hard. Lion King is such a great answer. It My is. personal is Toy Story, but Lion King is fantastic. It, Lion King is is a very very good answer. For the sake of being different, I'll go Lilo and Stitch. Such an underrated pick. I love that from you, Corey. I love that. From Stitch you. is by can, far. Can I give my number two? Yes. Because. Lion King is like the creme de la creme of animated movies. It is as good as an animated movie can get. Number two, a movie that lost money for Disney. Oh, is that uh, Treasure, Treasure Planet? Planet? Oh, good, good choice. Such a great movie. Treasure Planet is my number two. Wasn't uh, it, it is? Wasn't Atlantis a Disney movie too? Yeah, I love, love Atlantis. That's probably in my top five. That's Shoot. a great pick as well. Maybe we're all Disney adults. Yikes. We've grown. I just like, no I, shame I, in the I game. loved the movies growing up. No shame in the game. No shame in the game. All right, but we're not a Disney podcast. If you love Big Ten football, then you came to the right place. Welcome to Big 
Banter, the podcast for Big Ten football. If you're new here, make sure you hit like and subscribe. Follow us wherever you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Follow us on the socials, Instagram and threads and X. We are, let me get the actual uh, username so you can follow us on there. Here we go. Instagram and threads at B1G Banter and then X at B1G Banter Pod. Uh, Ethan, say something kind to the people who are listening to us. Listen, folks, if you've been with us throughout the season, I love you and I appreciate you so much. If you're just now, if you're a postseason person, if you're like, you know what? I care a lot about the postseason. I care a lot about these new coaching hires and things like that. And I want to hear something about it. I love you too. Now, be sure to hit that subscribe button. But listen, that's the end of the sentence. It's just, but listen. Just listen to us talk because we're going right into all of that glorious, magical, everything that's been going on in the Big Ten. We're going to get into the coaches today. We're going to get into a lot of what is transpiring off-season-wise with the Big Ten because we're still we're still a couple weeks out from from the playoffs starting and bowl games and things like that. So we're going to get into all of the off-season because, you guys, we've, we've got transfer portal mayhem going on, okay? We're going to get into the coaching hires. I already said that, but transfer portal mayhem. Maybe that's going to be the title of the episode because that's exactly what we have happening. And you can retool and rebuild a team very, very quickly. And there's one team in particular, yes, I'm giving you a teaser for later on in this episode, that I think has a major opportunity to make their team into a playoff caliber roster in the Big Ten that was not very good this year. What a take and what a tease. He is right. We are going to talk about the coaching hires today, uh, head coaches, and then we've got one assistant who has been hired and added to a big-time staff. We are going to talk a little bit of transfer portal news. Not a ton of concrete stuff happening in the portal right now, but rumors are flowing. Obviously, a lot of people have left already, so we will dabble in the transfer portal, and then we are going to close out the show. We have some insider knowledge. We've spoken to the man up at the North Pole. We have received from him the Christmas list from every single Big Ten program. I know, insider stuff, you're only going to get it here. That's why you follow us. That's why you listen for the for the breaking news. So we're going to go through those as well. I hope Ohio State gets a lump of coal. That was good, Corey. <laughs> Thanks. That was good. Appreciate that. Are they the naughtiest? Are they the naughtiest Big Ten? Well, you can't say they're the naughtiest Big Ten program because no, no. Mich- Michigan got Michigan got caught doing some stuff. So why did we go down this road? Why? Why, Corey, why is this happening? Corey started it. I I started it with the worst joke of all time. Literally, it's true. It's true. Okay, let's talk coaching hires. So we will let's start with Michigan State. Michigan State hires Jonathan Smith, former head coach at Oregon State, to come be their leading man um, at Oregon State. Let me pull up his numbers. Overall record at Oregon State was only thirty-four and thirty-five, but the last two seasons, ten and three, eight and four. Corey, I'll start with you. 
initial thoughts about Jonathan Smith being the man for Michigan State? Uh, I think the the one word that comes to my mind is uh, it's actually specifically. Let's grade these hires one to ten or zero to ten. We're Big Ten pot. You just give them a letter grade. This is we're schools here. That's what I'd say. I sometimes schools do other. I I went to a Big Ten school and they gave us pass fail. I didn't even get the right letters. Well, maybe you just didn't know how to read. So sorry about it. But um, I wanna I I would say for Michigan State, I'll give this a B, a solid B, because they had a, an incredibly tough task of trying to get past a very disastrous situation from this off season. Uh, and Smith was a guy who was trending upward in a conference that, at least for the past two seasons, was very, very competitive, uh, and he was very, very competitive in it. Uh, and he was able to do that with development of recruits that were there and then utilizing the transfer portal, um, which is what you need in this ever-changing landscape that is college football. So I, I, I this was a hire that wasn't going to be like, oh, wow, like, this is crazy awesome, like super excited. But this is a hire that you're you're sitting, if you're a Michigan State fan, like, you know, it's not bad. Like, I think it's gonna it's gonna bring some much needed stability to a program that's been without it for for a couple of seasons now. I will be interested to see the the type of players that he's gonna bring in in the portal immediately. Um, I know I think there was that there's a quarterback that's garnering a lot of noise. Uh yeah, Aaron Aaron Chile's. I believe is how they pronounce his name. He was a four star that went to Oregon State when Jonathan Smith was. Has there. has he committed or he's just visited Michigan State or like crystal ball stuff that's that's pointing in the right direction? I think I think there's a crystal ball for Michigan State. I don't know that he's actually visited or anything, but he's in the portal. I would be really interested to see if maybe he can uh, snag DJ as well. I haven't heard anything, so I don't think that that's a possibility. But I mean, yeah, same system. You know, you're you're familiar with the coach. You've got one chance to, you know, make some noise. Uh, so I, that's kind of where I'm at, like kind of like a good for Michigan State, get some stability back in that program. And then, you know, I think stability will go a long way uh, for the Spartans because it seems like the last few years were very chaotic. I think you got that with uh, the car transfer as well. I think in his statement it was uh, there's this has been three interesting years spent at Michigan State and. I think you'll be like, yeah, solid years with Coach Smith at the helm, or at least that's the hope. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a C or a six out of ten here. Um, maybe a six point five out of ten. Reason being, um, Oregon State defensively. Just talking about how, how they perform defensively. Not very good. Okay? I don't have the defensive metrics right in front of me. I don't have this, that, and the other. And you look at the top end of the Big Ten. What is it predicated on? Defense. It is a defensive-driven league. Now, you look at the SEC. The SEC is a little bit more balanced. But look what Georgia did over the last two seasons, and then look what they did this season. Georgia, when they had the best defense in the country the past two seasons, 
they won back-to-back national championships. I mean, two years ago, all, all this is crazy. Like I'm, I'm tangenting for a second here. All eleven of those players on that Georgia team are currently on NFL rosters. Like building through your defense, and I think Michigan has kind of proved that the last couple of years. Also, Ohio State. I understand they've lost the game the last two seasons, but they were eleven and zero going into that game both years predicated on defensive prowess, especially this year. Um, So I think defensively in the way he schemes defense and recruiting defense, especially with how big of a powerhouse Michigan has become in the state, it's going to be really hard to recruit. And I don't care if he's going against Jim Harbaugh or he's going against Sharon Moore. I have faith in both of those guys to recruit in-state. So um, it looks like currently they are actually the front runners to get uh, Dante Moore from UCLA. Michigan, plus, Michigan State is? Michigan State is plus 115 to land him. They are the odds-on favorite. Um, that just switched. Michigan was, and now it looks like Michigan State is. Um which seems kind of crazy, but he's a Michigan kid. It just, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10 for right now. Um, and I'm kind of in wait and see mode, but I have more faith that he will succeed than I do that he will fail, but it's not by much is kind of what I'm trying to say. I'm actually going to give this hire a pretty high score. I'm going to go 8.7. So I'm going to go B plus for this hire. And I'll give you my reasoning. I think Jonathan Smith, obviously, if you just compare Oregon State to to Michigan State on its face, Michigan State is the program in the better conference, more resources, more money, better facilities, all of that stuff. So he's already getting a bump up. In all of that, right? And going to Michigan State. But I think the good thing is, I think this is a perfect fit. And Ethan, you do make a good point. He's not really a Midwest guy, never has been. He's always been on the West Coast. So I think recruiting out of the gate could be something that he has a disadvantage in. But think about the think about the profile of both of these universities. Michigan State and Oregon State, both are viewed, this is not a slight, this is just a fact, they are both the lesser or the little brothers of a big in-state rivalry. Michigan State is in the shadow resource-wise, brand-wise, history-wise of a Michigan. Oregon State is in that shadow when it comes to Oregon. Oregon State, similar to Michigan State, also has an even bigger brand in a neighboring state that you also have to recruit against. Ohio State for MSU. USC for Oregon State. So I think he's coming from a very similar, a university that was in a similar place brand and just program wise. I would argue though, and and not to say that you're not saying this and clearly because he took the job, I would say that Michigan State is a definite step up from Oregon State though and is much more relevant nationally than Oregon State. It's 100%. I totally agree. Michigan State is the better program 
than Oregon State. Just fit-wise, I think it makes a lot of sense. He's going to be comfortable being in the, oh, we're the underdogs. We have the chip on our shoulder. People don't respect us. They respect those schools down the road or the school in Ohio. So I think that's a very good just personality fit. And I think him already proving at Oregon State that he can utilize the portal is just A+. plus. MSU is a prime place for the portal. Like, you were a highly touted kid that went someplace and, you know, you felt disrespected or didn't get the playing time. You come here and, you know, we're going to embrace that that mentality and, and go beat on some big boys down the road in the Big Ten. So I, I like the hire a lot. Let's go to another school that it, their hire was at head coach. So Tom Allen out at Indiana and they hire, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Kurt Kignetti. From JMU, beloved James Madison, that should be going bowling. Actually, are they going bowling? Did they switch that now? No, they are. They are going bowling because uh, there weren't enough bowl-eligible teams. So them and Jackson State, who got denied waivers from the NCAA, get to go bowling because nobody else could. (laughs) Love that for them. So he is now the head man at Indiana. Uh, Went 11-1 this year. Excuse me, at JMU. Uh, I think this is a great hire. I'm I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this an eight out of ten. Um and if it's all right with you guys, I want to talk about him and David Braun at Northwestern kind of in the same bucket. Because I feel like two very similar situations, right? These are football programs in Northwestern and Indiana. Literally no one respects them. No nobody thinks about them as a threat or a challenger whatsoever. But I think I, I would argue just very quickly, Northwestern has that one in every four years we're going to be a problem mentality, and I would argue that Indiana does not have that same prowess. I I would agree, but they but they have that reputation in the Big Ten West, so you know the Big Ten is going to get a lot tougher here pretty soon. But regardless, I, I think both of these schools and both these programs went out and got someone who could potentially be a shining star down the road that other schools may want to come poach. And that's kind of the goal. Like, go get someone who's a, an up-and-comer, not someone that's a almost proven commodity that someone like a Texas A&M or a, you know, UCLA is going to go after. Someone who's a little bit more under the radar, who's proven it at a level that is too low for the big schools to go after, but that you could bring them in and they could potentially be just lightning in a bottle for you guys. And I think David Braun and Kignetti both fit the bill. Kignetti, do not be PJ Fleck at Minnesota. I knew you were going to go there. I knew you were going to go there. I cannot stand PJ Fleck. He is the most overhyped, overrated coach, not in the Big Ten. In America. I don't think he can be the most overrated coach in America because I don't think anyone rates him very highly. No. When he took over. Oh, okay. As the Minnesota head coach. It was like, oh my gosh, Minnesota is now going to be like a Big Ten West contender and blah, blah, blah. And then every year the hype was here. I'm holding my hand way over my head. And what actually ended up happening was here. 
and I'm holding that below my heart because he has no heart because he's a garbage football coach. So don't be PJ Fleck. And and listen, what he did at J, JMU was fantastic. And this is their first year in D1. Is that correct? That's second. I'm sorry. Yeah, because you have a two-year bowl ban normally, which is dumb. <clears throat> because the NCAA likes to make up stupid rules. Wait, the NCAA but, is dumb? Question mark? We'll, we'll save that topic for the rest of eternity. Um. But I, I, I just just don't be P.J. Fleck. And listen, his opening speech at an Indiana basketball game when he was being announced as a head coach was fan-freaking-tastic. It, it was awesome. It was also hilarious. Like, he oh, he literally called out Michigan and Ohio State by name. Oh, he called name. out Purdue first and foremost. Yes, first he called foremost, out Purdue first. Then he called yeah, out first and foremost, Michigan he was like, what, what was it that he said? Can someone help me here? Corey, do you know verbatim what he said? I thought he just said, like, Purdue sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said Purdue sucks. It was that. Purdue sucks. And so does Michigan and Ohio State. And it was like, that. that's awesome. I love that. I freaking love that. That is great. Somebody keep needs that, to get Indiana excited about football. Dude, keep that mentality. And listen, I understand you're a basketball school, but your basketball program's been garbage for a, a while. So... Maybe turn your attention to football. I, I don't know. But the, just keep that same mentality and use the portal to your absolute, as as big of an advantage as you, go and take all of the kids from JMU that you're like, yeah, he's the reason we were good. He's the reason we were good. He's the, all of those kids, come bring them to Indiana. It's a better program than JMU. Bring them. Go out there, make your team. If he can get them to a bowl game next year, if he can be a seven-win program next year, huge, huge win for them. I'm going to rate this higher for Indiana. Okay, so we're basing it off of the school that hired them, right? For Indiana, I'm going to rate this a 9.2 out of 10. Fantastic hire. I'm going to go a little bit higher because this is exactly what you want if you're an Indiana fan, which there aren't many of you, which you guys need to fix that because you're, I think once every like month we talk about how their game day atmosphere is just frankly pathetic. But I mean, the, in the, the, the campus is beautiful. The stadium is great, but there's just nobody there. Uh, Kignetti is the blueprint for what you want. If you are a, bad division one football program you want a up-and-comer who was blazing a trail wherever he was before uh and then you try to like alex said catch that lightning in a bottle so that's what minnesota hoped to hope to do with pj fleck it didn't exactly work work their way out that way and i think uh alex you had mentioned that you know you catch that lightning in a bottle and then as a result, like your team will get somewhat good. Like you'll get put on the map in some way, shape or form for Kignetti to get out of Indiana. He has to have some sort of success. What does that success look like? Is that just, you know, rattling off a couple of seven win seasons or is that an eight and four or a nine and three season or whatever it is? Well, for him, it's making the big 10 championship game. He called his shot. He said, 
He said Indiana was going to be playing in Indy next year. That, honestly, if that happens, that would be one of the most impressive things I've ever, especially with the, the way the Big Ten is going to be constructed. That would be absolutely crazy. It's not. It's not going to happen. But could he get to seven, eight wins? I think maybe if he gets the right guys and he's actually the coach that, you know, he had or the coaching success that he had at JMU transfers over to Indiana. Uh, but he's garnering some excitement, which is what this program absolutely needs. Get some butts in some seats, rattle off your, your three wins in the non-con of teams that are horrific uh, and then get some excitement going because Indiana can be, how do I want to put this? Indiana can be a Michigan State light if the things fall into place. You saw it a little bit with Penix and Tom Allen in that for in that COVID year. Yes, it was a weird year, but Penix was great, and that Indiana team was legitimately good, very good. And before Penix got hurt, um, they very well could have been playing in Indy with Tom Allen. Uh, they have the capability, they have the possibility of being a team like that, and maybe. Maybe they found their guy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a ten for projections alone. Yeah, I don't I can't remember if I gave my rating or not. I, I'm right up there with you guys. I'm 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 a nine for the Kignetti hire, also for the Braun hire for both of these programs. So oh, I forgot about uh, Braun. good on both of them. I forgot about Braun. Braun's a slam dunk. That guy how to get that team motivated after the offseason that they had, that's ex- that blew every expectation that you had for this football team and now they're going bowling and <clears throat> a lot of people are interested in what's going to happen with this northwestern team keep the momentum going yeah i'm gonna give braun i didn't i didn't rate braun and i apologize but <clears throat> just a quick note here on northwestern what he did with that pro because we got to see him as an interim head coach so it kind of skews it a little bit um forgive me for falling into the hype and for blessing them with a better grade because of it. But you know what? Forget it. It's the holidays. It's Christmas time, baby. Merry Christmas, Northwestern. You get a 9.9 out of 10. Whoa. Dang. He's just, he's feeling generous. In what what world? Hear me out. Hear me out for just a second. Let's talk about this for one second. In what world? Does he take that Northwestern team that over under was 2.5 to start the season, by the way, win seven games, and I'm supposed to give him any worse of a rating than that? No, you're 100% and right. Especially with the with the situation that he stepped into and the way they performed defensively and offensively throughout the season, what grade am I supposed to give him? And he was only named the interim. like He had like two months before the season started to actually – get the guys ready and be like, okay, I'm your head coach now. So yes, just an incredible coaching performance. And you know, you're loved by your players when players are literally like, if you don't hire this guy, if you don't make him the head coach, we're leaving. Which is what was happening at Northwestern before the season started. Also to that point, how many of those players left the portal left for the portal when he was named coach? It wasn't many. So, like, talk about bringing everybody together. Everything was falling apart, and it's like, hey, guys, listen, 
we got this. We're going to get some stability here. You got the kids to stay, and then you keep going and and you blow your expectations out of the water. Incredible. Incredible. Meanwhile, there are currently no Northwestern players in the portal. Meanwhile, Northwestern had more talent, far more talent, on their roster the season before when Pat Fitzgerald was still their head coach. They won one game. They, they, had, had, they had NFL talked, players on their I team. I was about to say, we talked about it time and time again on this podcast, how many players they lost to the NFL draft, and it was mind-boggling for being a one-win team. Mind-boggling. This roster, significantly less talented, seven wins. Freaking incredible, man. Just It's a 9.9. It's a, it's a 10. It's like, okay, you could have hired Jesus. You didn't hire Jesus. But congratulations, you got the next best guy. Like, there's nobody else realistically in my – that's why I'm giving them the 9.9, right? Because the, a 10 would be you go out and you get the unrealistic guy. And it's like, oh, my gosh, Northwestern landed blank. But this is is the best they could have done. Alex, go get the Northwestern shirt right now. Stop the podcast. Go get it right now. Would would Jesus be the best head coaching hire ever? (laughs) Yes. Easy. (laughs) Next next conversation. Next topic. He's a a leader and fisher of men. Of course he'd be the best. What, What do you... He would be the best recruiter of all time. Absolutely, he got dudes. Just, he he didn't he didn't even know people's names, and he was just like, "Hey, yo, come follow me." And they're like, "All right, I guess so." He got some low life tax collector to come and follow him and be like, "You know what? I've been messed up. I've been doing it wrong." Jesus, Jesus is the next level version of Dion saying, "I ain't hard to find." <laughs> Oh my gosh! I quit. <laughs> oh, Jesus knows ball. Jesus Saying knows Jesus ball. is the next level version of Deion Sanders might be the most sacrilegious thing that's ever been said. I'm I, I also am not a Deion Sanders fan. I don't know why I let that come oh, up, but man. I'm I'm saying Jesus is on another level. That's what I'm saying. You're the worst. <laughs> next, next, next. I can't keep that was supposed. <laughs> that was supposed to be a. I was supposed that was supposed to be a compliment to Jesus. By uh, <laughs> comparing him to Deion Sanders. Oh no. Oh. Uh, I was just making a comparison. Deion says I ain't hard to find. Uh, Jesus said follow, follow me. Okay. And I'm, okay, Alex. Okay. I I got it. The the people got it. The public got it. <laughs> he would. He'd be a great recruiter. Absolutely incredible. Okay, uh, last coaching hire. This is not a head coaching hire, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. But it is just a big. It is at a big time program. Penn State hires a new offensive coordinator, Andy uh, Foof, Kotal Nicky. That's what I'm going to go with, Andy Kotal Nicky. He was the offensive coordinator at Kansas for the past couple of years. Now comes over to be the OC. At Penn State. So they filled one coordinator position. Now they have to fill the defensive position as Manny Diaz is now going to go and be the head coach at Duke. I think this is a great hire at at OC. Penn State has the talent 
to be more explosive on offense. And they're just, they're just not, they needed someone who's a young up and comer um, to come in and just breathe some life into the Penn state offense and drew Aller and some of their skill position guys. And I do think that this OC might be able to attract some wide receiver talent that Penn state hasn't had since, you know, the days of Kurt of Chris Godwin and, Allen Robinson and the like. So I, I like this hire for Penn State at OC. I'm going to give it a uh, uh, 8.1. Uh, I'll give it a 7.5. The and I'll, I'll say, this is my only analysis. Okay, if you can bring some excitement to Kansas football, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you can bring. You can bring some explosive offense to just about anywhere else that you go. So I think I would I would have to think that goes into the uh, just the what's the word I'm looking I'm I'm so stupid I can't think and use words right now. But like that goes into like what you're breaking down and what you're looking for. Like where where has this is this coordinator successful and then where is the success coming from? Uh, Alabama gets a lot of credit for bringing in like analysts or whatever. Um, and like, it kind of like shields some of these guys who aren't very good, but then you look at other places where that didn't have like the, the great football prowess. Uh, and then they end up having some really good coaches. So I think because it's from Kansas, a non-traditional football power, and they were having a lot of success there, it should easily translate some to somewhere else that has more resources uh, and better recruits. So I like the hire. I'll give it an eight. All right. Let's hop into we got one the more. transfer. We got one more. If we're talking about coordinators, Michigan State hired uh, Joe Rossi, lateral move from uh, Minnesota. He was Minnesota's defensive coordinator. Um, it was a Thamel report from a couple days ago, uh, but uh, Smith poached. Uh, Minnesota's defensive coordinator and got him to come to Michigan State. Yeah, great poach. I'll give it a five. Yeah, I was going to say I absolutely hate that for them. I will, I will follow that up with a four point two. The uh, Scott Bell uh, reply to that was just the score of the Michigan Minnesota game, which was fifty two to ten. So, actually, you know what. Five is supposed to be average on a scale of one to ten. Five would be like the average. So I'm going to give this a 3.8. Tell me how you really feel, Ethan. I just did. It looked like he was going to fart there when he was thinking about his number. And I thought that was going to be his grade. He was thinking real hard. The, the gears were turning. Smoke was spewing out his ears. Do you want to give a number, Corey? Give a number. Mm, I don't care. NA. Uh, 5 1. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. All right. 5 1. Same as Corey's height. All right. I'm I'm the tallest one in this group. You are not the tallest. We're the same height. Ethan's the shortest. That was a misdirected shot. Yeah, what I the heck? There. Someone's wrong all the time, and it's Alex. Why am I catching strays for being 5'11"? 
That feels rude. Well, you should have been six one. Are you actually five eleven, or is that like the the two inches that everybody? No, I'm actually five eleven. I I've always wanted to claim that I was six foot, but I'm actually five eleven. I want the official uh, report from your doctor. Official measurements only. We're gonna need a doctor's note. Yep. ASAP. Right now. ASAP. <laughs> All right. Transfer portal. Um, where should we start with the transfer portal? I've got it pulled up. I can go team by team. I don't think we need to go team by team. Uh, yes, Ethan. Would you? Would you like to? <clears throat> um, I teased you guys before this episode, or while this episode was starting. Um, and now we're close to 40 minutes into it. So I guess I can get to my T's, but boys, I want to hop right into it. I, I, I personally believe your Nebraska Cornhuskers have an opportunity to jump directly into now, mind you next year is a 12 team playoff format. Okay. I understand everything that the Big Ten is adding. Nebraska is going ham in the portal. Kyle McCord is just about a lock to sign with Nebraska. I think Ohio State forcing him out is ignorant, 100% ignorant. And they already, their, their plan 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call it, all of that already gone, transferring to Notre Dame instead. Uh, so Ohio state is kind of up a Creek without a paddle right now. I think now all their attention shifts towards, um, Oh, the quarterback from Washington state Ward. cam ward. Is that his ward. name? Yeah. Cam ward. Um, also the goalie from the Carolina hurricanes back in, uh, back in the day. Thank you. Okay. Next. Anyway. Um, I, I really truly believe that Nebraska has a very, very good opportunity to use the transfer portal to transform this team into a fantastic team. Nebraska has elite, and I when I say elite, I mean a top 10 fan base in all of college football. Yes, I understand the SEC. Yes, I understand the South. Yes, I understand that there's Michigan and Ohio State in the Big Ten already. Yes, I understand that there's Penn State as well in the Big Ten. I purposely named you guys third because of how mediocre your team is year after year. Nebraska sells out their stadium and has rabid fans when they are winning five games a year. They have an unbelievable fan base. Their boosters are about to rocket ship this program to the next level. Guys, I'm making the stupidest mistake ever, probably jumping right back on the Northwestern bandwagon. Don't do it. I think, I, no, I'm dead serious when I say I think with what they're going to do in the portal, I think coaching-wise, you're going to see a major step up. Look at what he's done year one to year two everywhere he's been. That's all I'm saying. Look what the man has done year one to year two. Look at Baylor. Look what he did at Baylor. Okay? I, I'm just saying, I think Nebraska has the best opportunity in the Big Ten 
to absolutely catapult themselves to the next level? Well, um, let's take a look at Nebraska's schedule for next year. Uh, UTEP, Colorado at home, Northern Iowa, Illinois. So I think they opened with four straight home games. So potential, potential there. Then they go to Purdue. Then they play Rutgers at home, at Indiana, at Ohio State, UCLA this first weekend in November, at USC versus Wisconsin at home, and then at Iowa to close the year. So, Ethan, since you are all high on the uh, Cornhuskers Kool-Aid TM, what, what say you for that, for that schedule? I think in order to be a top 12 team, you're going to have to go out there and, and beat some teams that people don't think you're going to beat. Going into some of those games, they are going to be underdogs, and they will have to go in and win them as underdogs. But you're going to be able to get into the playoff. There's going to be one, maybe two teams that get into the playoff that have three losses. And the schedule that you just listed off, does that sound like Northwestern could be one of those teams? I think it certainly does. Nebraska. You said Northwestern. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you just do you, does that sound like does that sound like Nebraska could be one of those teams? I think it certainly does. I don't know. I think your heart is set on Northwestern. Truly, I do. With you mentioning that was a Freudian slip. Yeah, that was a Freudian slip. Mm-hmm. He's 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 saying he's saying red, but he's bleeding purple for sure. I I mean I, Ethan I. I get we have to see what happens in the portal. We have to see what they get because I that they could start off hot. They could pull a Maryland. Start off hot, start off 5 and 0. Oh. I think that is incredibly realistic. But then you play a UCLA, you play a USC. I get they don't play defense, but can USC's offense still track race Nebraska? Uh does UCLA uh, adapt well to the cold in the first weekend in November? I mean, I don't know. They still have to figure out a way to beat uh, Wisconsin and then figure out a way to play against Iowa, who will probably be the same, and they dropped a game that they should have had at home this year. They didn't, and, you know, so I, they've got to prove to me some things. If they go out and they win that game against uh, – Man, I'm not quite sure. If they if they beat UCLA, maybe, but that's that's after at Ohio State, after Indiana, and then Rutgers at home. So Kyle McCord revenge game against Ohio State. Oh, that would be wins. beautiful. That would be so beautiful. Against the quarterbackless Ohio State Buckeyes. And that honestly, that's probably a huge piece of why he's linked to Nebraska as well. Not I mean, the situation would be great for him because he'd slide into a starting role, but I didn't even think about that. They, they go into the horseshoe and play at Ohio State. So he's this isn't a McNamara situation where like if the cards go right, then they'll play at the biggest stage. He wants that smoke. He wants to go out there and be like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them. I'm going to show them what they pushed out the door. You know what, Ethan? You lovable, you lovable lump, you've convinced me. 
Let's get let's get on the Nebraska Cornhuskers bandwagon before let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Contingent. Eat the corn cob, baby. Eat the corn cob. Contingent on if McCord transfers there. So agree. Agree. His crystal ball right now is showing a hundred percent to Nebraska. I think he has three crystal balls, and I think they're all to Nebraska. He's going to Nebraska. And he may get Julian Fleming to go with him. Ooh boy. All right, let's fast forward. Let's get to let's let's get to the next season. Let's go. I'm ready. Can we start it in the spring? Um, Michigan needs to win a natty. First. Well, yes. <clears throat> Anyways, I I have a question for you guys, and I haven't told you this up until this point. Um, but obviously, I chose Nebraska, and I just gave you my reasoning why. We had a little bit of a conversation on it. Shorter version from the two of you. Which team will have the best off-season transfer portal in the Big Ten? Alex, I want to start with you. That is such an incredible question. Which team will have the best transfer portal performance this offseason? Oh, God. I'm taking Nebraska, by the way. That was my pick. Okay, that's your pick. Um, okay, I'm not going to pick any team from the Big Ten West. Um, so I'm not taking I'm not taking Nebraska. I think Wisconsin could maybe do a couple things, but nothing compared to And real to quick, just to clarify, this is impact. This is like how big of an impact will the portal class have on you? So not like, oh, Ohio State ends up, you know, having another fantastic season or Michigan ends up having another fantastic season. It it it's it's solely based on how big of an impact that transfer class has on that. Yeah, no, I I I yeah, I get where you're going. Um I am This is hard because I'm going between Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Because I've got it. The slam dunk answer, and it should be Oregon. Hands down, it should be Oregon. And I'll tell you why. Because, A, their style of play is most closely related to the Big Ten as it stands right now. So transferring in of those four teams that are going to come into the Big Ten, I think Oregon has the most seamless transition. Uh, and, B, they just got a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. And Dylan. They went from Heisman Trophy finalist Bo Nix to – future Heisman hopeful, already on a watch list, Dylan Gabriel. And I think with the offensive firepower of Big 12 football, which Gabriel had you know, played in with Oklahoma this year, morphed into the style of play on the defensive side of the ball that Oregon plays, I think that that is already huge. And that, I think, was one of the quickest in the portal, new home, uh, situations that happened this year already it was like he was in the portal for a week and then he was already committed to Oregon so was there something fishy going on Uh, I don't know that's not me to say but I think as far as like reloading goes Oregon might not miss a beat at all at the quarterback position and that's the most important position on the football field especially in the college game I have no concerns with them uh, fueling up on the defensive side of the ball 
because uh, Oregon Oregon already knows how to recruit their players, and Lanning is probably I, I don't want to. He's the most confident coach of the four coming in uh, to the to the new expanded Big Ten. So that's my pick. My pick is going to be Michigan, and this is honestly just based on history. Like you look at the last two off seasons, you could argue that Michigan has had the best transfer portal impact players of any program in the country. It's not an argument. They have. They, they have. They hit. It's not. There's no argument to be had. The only other argument you could possibly make would be Florida State. That's the only other team that you can make an argument for. Literally, that was going to be the other team that I mentioned. So because of the last two seasons and, and Harbaugh and the staff really showing that they have such a clear vision of what they want the team to be and where the holes are, I'm going to go with Michigan to uh, follow that up again this offseason. I know uh, sometimes we uh, butt heads with uh, which sporting outlet we get our information from, but ESPN dropped an article today talking about how Michigan was able to construct their, uh, in their words, their powerhouse. And it basically came down to them recruiting their guys and quote, and it was quote unquote, their guys. They talked about the portal. They talked about Henderson. They talked about Nugent, uh, Nugent. And they talked about all these other guys that maybe have been overlooked uh, by some of these other big time programs. They talked about Chris Jenkins and he was a three-star recruit. Uh, that really only had one or two power five offers, and one of them was Michigan. Uh, and he was an undersized but athletic defensive lineman, and he turned into an absolute stud. Uh, so Michigan, with all of the like the academic problems that they've had, they have still been able to go out and get their guys. So like, if not for guys like Henderson and some of these these transfers, which I think. They said uh, 98% of their starters on the defensive side of the ball uh, were either homegrown, like were there for four years, or just transferred in from that season, which is an astounding statistic. Uh, They figured it out despite all the limitations that they have. And and real quick, just to touch on that, uh, on the Michigan topic, the biggest worry we had going into this season and I think this was collectively the three of us I think we actually had a conversation about it very early on in the season or before the season started was how is Michigan going to get pressure Michigan leads the NCAA in quarterback pressures they are number one in the country not in sacks but in quarterback pressures, that's outstanding. And that's work done through the portal. Uh, just to, you know, kind of put a bow on that whole whole topic there. Um, real quick, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on something. And I'm not trying to derail us here, but you guys know me and you know how I am about Vegas and odds and things like that. Currently, and this is this is crazy that I'm bringing this up. But but Vegas is telling you this is real, and that that's that's where I want to preface this. I would not be bringing it up if Vegas wasn't telling you this is real. Florida State's odds for the conference that they will be playing in in twenty twenty four. Are you ready for this? This is nuts. 
by the way. The Big Ten and the ACC are both tied at plus 115. For the conference that Florida State will be playing in next season, plus 115. Understanding fully and completely what kind of mess that creates for the Big Ten. You have to completely redo your schedule for a third time. They've already redone the 2024 schedule twice now. This would be a third time that they would be redoing the schedule. It is after several teams' seasons have already ended and you're into the offseason. Guys, the only reason I am bringing this up is because Vegas is telling you it's real. They are currently both tied at plus 115. The, the, the third place is the SEC, and they are, over, they are over plus 400 to be the next team that they play for. That's shocking, considering that would make much more geographical sense. It's, it's not geographical at this point, and Florida State has made it very clear that they would much rather come to the Big Ten than they would. They've had opportunities in the past to go to the SEC and have not done so. Um, so I, I, I just, for me, it's, it, what I want to do is I want to hear from you guys, truly and honestly, I want to hear where you guys are at with this. Um, we're giving you guys a little bit of a bonus topic here. I did not discuss this with the guys before the show and I was debating whether or not to bring it up, but I looked up the number while we were sitting here. And to see that the odds are the same for the ACC and the S- and the Big Ten is mind-boggling to me. So, guys, with everything kind of being set in stone moving forward into next season, I mean, Florida State joining throws a major wrench in things. I just want to hear where you guys are at. Honestly, my opinion on this is less school and conference specific and more about college football as a whole i am currently of the opinion that the more power the conferences have the better because the ncaa is useless they are it sucks it sucks it sucks it sucks and it's holding the sport back honestly college football college football is not what it used to be it is it is so top heavy and not top heavy with like two or three teams but top heavy with like you know 50 or 60 or or whatever you want the number to be and i think the more power these conferences have the more likely they are to say why are we playing freaking old dominion in week 2 or why are we playing you know sisterhood of the traveling pants and in week 10 like we don't need to be playing these teams as often as we do and we can totally separate from the ncaa and maybe not totally obviously scholarships and stuff like that i don't know logistically how this would work but the ncaa doesn't even crown a champion in football they do it in every other ncaa sport except for football they have zero input on how a champion is selected 
So it's only a matter of time before the conferences say, we're going to do this by ourselves because the NCAA, all they do is hold us back and, and enforce stupid rules. And they can't even enforce at every school because they're too busy with all these other non-revenue sports. We're a professional league. We know how to do this. We will govern ourselves and we will make the sport better because of it. So my opinion, the more power the conferences have, the more mega conferences we get, the more likely we can finally be rid of the NCAA. <laughs> Alex answers the question by not answering the question. I love it, but very good points. Uh, I think he did answer the question. I think, I think his answer to the question was, yes, let Florida State join because it increases the power the Big Ten has over the, over the, the NCAA. And also, it further splits the revenue amongst more schools so we don't end up with like, oh, it's, you know, it's these guys again. The more evenly we spread this ad revenue amongst the schools that are actual contenders, the better the sport will be. That's a fair point. Uh, I will say, just logistically, if I were a gambling man, I, I how can you leave the conference at the off season now and just make everything change on a dime? So the fact that the ACC is plus money, I feel like that's a safe bet. I would I would sprinkle a little bit there. Um, whether or not beyond twenty twenty five, I think you would then be like, okay, yeah, something's going to get figured out here. Uh, to your point of the conferences getting more power, I I, I agree to the extent of. Are we just reinventing the wheel here? Because what's going to happen because of the TV deals, the SEC is going to get more teams. The Big Ten is going to get more teams. And then, boom, what are we going to have? We're going to have pods that are going to be geographically uh, split up because Michigan's going to play Ohio State every year. Uh, Washington and Oregon are going to play each other every year. And then this Big Ten mega conference will then have a Big Ten West Coast sect and a Big Ten East Coast sect and then a uh, Heart of Texas conference for the SEC and then the Atlantic Coast conference uh, division. for It's going to be divisions. And then uh, my biggest concern is that is this going to turn into a NFC, AFC type thing? I guess how would that translate to the football level? Because this is the time of the year where we get to see the like the D3 schools, the D2, and then the D1 uh, FCS schools play in this tournament. It still feels like college football. I don't want college football to feel like NFL football. Now, I get like there are good things, NIL, players getting the money, it becoming basically a semi-pro uh, league. I get that. I understand. I don't want this to be the NFL. I truly don't. I think that takes away a lot of different things. And then I think it makes things with the schools uh, a little bit complicated as well because if football runs as an independent thing, then how are these schools going to get revenue for all of these other programs that we that we love or don't love or something like that? I, I It's going to get really, really weird. And I'm going to be really interested to see how do the dominoes fall outside of football for some of these schools because i mean let's face it michigan makes a ton of money from football Rutgers doesn't make as much money 
from football as compared to Michigan, and they still have to support all of their other schools. There's a logistical issue that's going to happen here. Um, I think the TV deals 1,000% take care of that, and I think we've had that discussion before. These TV deals pay these schools evenly distributed between the schools so, so, so much money. Football and basketball, and mainly football, to be completely honest. But football and basketball drive a bus that is big enough for every podunk, doesn't make any sport program to jump right on board and they can keep chugging forward. They make by far enough money to support those. So, But do we know that for a fact? I, I, I mean, seriously, yes. seriously, do yes. we, do we know what it, do we know what it costs? Do we know what it costs to run these other programs? I know that they're going to make a ton of money. I know that the they're going to. The answer is not billions. Not every school is getting a billion dollars. They Ethan. make billions. Not every school is getting a huh? billion dollars a year, Ethan. No, I understand that, but they are making, I, I look at the revenue splits for the TV contract for the big 10 for signing with CBS and Fox and NBC, the new TV deal that they have per team. It is by far enough to pay for the travel expenses and all of that for all of the other sports that those teams have. I I mean, I know we're saying that I really want to see the numbers. I really do. And especially when we get to, okay. Uh, Okay. But here's the thing. They all exist already. They do. Right. And their travel expenses are, are going to go up moderately, for sure. Their travel expenses will go up because now you have Big Ten schools that are on the West Coast or whatever. They already travel. They already go all over the country. They already, all of those sports already take up a big chunk of money. I I would, in even for a school like Maryland or Rutgers or something like that, like the amount of money that those schools are still making from the football programs is astronomical. It's a, you, if you saw the figure between what they drive in TV revenue, ticket sales, merchandise, and all of the things sold at the stadium, your mind would probably melt. It's so crazy. All right. Well, I say we push the Christmas list topic to next week. Because next week we'll only have one bowl game to talk about. Uh, off the top of my head, I think that's the case. Only one? What's that? We're in bowl season, babe. Only one? No, this is glorious. We get football again. We do get football. I'm talking Big Ten bowl games. But I guess, Corey, if you want to talk about all the other bowl games, too. Oh, no, I don't, I don't care about them. I'm just saying we get glorious Big Ten football again. And I believe it's Northwestern, correct? It is Northwestern. Northwestern is the first Big Ten uh, bowl game that we get to talk about. So we'll talk about that next week. We will do the Christmas list segment next week, which will be fun. And anything else to close out the show? We good? Aren't you going to say some nice stuff to the people, Alex? I can. can. Ethan already did. I don't want to steal Ethan's thunder. Well, now this is awkward because nobody's saying anything. Yeah, no, don't say ni- anything nice to the people. I already did it. Did it. Corey is dumb. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs>